You are listening to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. Our vision is to treasure Christ above all else and live for more. So we're in Matthew, again, Sermon on the Mount. We're going through two and a half um, chapters in Matthew. Um, Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. 6, 25 to 34. This is what God's word says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you are good and you are loving and we praise you. We praise you for who you are and we thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for forgiveness, Lord God. We ask and we pray that more people come to to taste of your salvation, Father. Um, And we pray, Lord God, over the Easter service um, that you would do, that you would bring some people from death to life. But Lord God, we pray over today's service as well. I pray that you would bear much fruit in our hearts. Lord God, the title of the message is Don't Worry. <laughs> Easier said than done. Would you please um, help our hearts focus on you, rest on you. Help us be still and know that you are God. And I thank you for all that you're going to do in our hearts and in our lives today. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, church. Believe it or not, God speaks to me through my kids. I'm sure that every parent says that, right? (laughs) Especially in this season through our oldest, Taya. She's quite a spunky one. And I I know I shared something very similar to this, so it's not a, you know, you probably heard something similar or a story that I've shared before that's very similar. But I don't really remember exactly what I got agitated about. Because that's what I do a lot of times. And this sermon is for me first. (laughs) Don't worry. Take it easy, buddy. (laughs) But as soon as I raised my voice, I guess she sensed right away that my stress level was just going up. And she just came to my rescue. I don't know what I was doing. I was just sitting down or whatever. I was cleaning. And then she just came right to me. And she touched me. And she said, Tata, don't worry. It kind of like, you know what? It's it's pointless. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Anyways. Don't worry, easier said than done, right? Well, this is, this is the title of the message, don't worry. H- how are you doing with worrying, by the way? Is this message going to be for you? <laughs> I think so. 
In preparation for this message, I looked up some stats, because you have to, right, in regards to mental health. And apparently, there is a national mental health crisis. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. And I can share a bunch of stats with you, figures and, and charts to convince you, which, which many experts would agree, that United States of America, our country, is one of the top countries, if not the top country in the entire world, that struggles with mental health. I thought about doing that to convince you, but I decided against it. And that's because I don't think you need to be convinced, do you? Statistically speaking, and this is a reality, one out of every three people in this room are dealing with some mental health struggles. It is something most of us are acquainted to, uh, something that we're, if we feel, something that we experience, something that we struggle with. The reality is that even if you're more laid back with your personality, right? I'm somewhere in the middle, I think. Because some can have a high, strong personality, you know. Uh, how many of those high, strong personalities in here this morning? Okay, okay. I mean, you guys are in for a ride when it comes to stress and anxiety and, and, and worry. But even for the more laid-back personalities, all it takes is a bad day. All it takes is a bad week. All it takes is your circumstances to take you from being calm and relaxed to stressing into worrying and to right the point that i'm trying to make is that all of us deal with this all of us deal with these kinds of struggles all of us no one's left out before we get into the text uh, and by the way matthew 6 is a hallmark teaching in the entire bible uh, on worry and stress and anxiety but let me just make one clarification before we get into it there are all sorts of secular wisdom and treatment out there when it comes to mental health struggles. And in no way, what I'm going to say today, am I trying to intentionally undermine any of that. Seeing a counselor or medication or mindfulness, breathing techniques, and so on and so forth. At the same time, I'm not going to talk about these things. I'm just not going to, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote Jesus and, and preach what's in the word. That's why we love preaching verse by verse. And believe it or not, Jesus does not prescribe any of these things in our passage or in the entire Bible. Believe it or not, he doesn't mention any of these in our, in our passage. But I'm not intentionally going after these things, saying that they, don't, they have no benefit, no benefit at all in our lives. But here is a tendency that I see from us Christians, and I see it all the time, especially uh, the last few years. We are very quick to run to secular wisdom, very quick, to solve these kinds of problems, these kinds of struggles that we have, and we totally neglect the spiritual aspect that Jesus emphasizes, and we'll see that in our text today. And by the way, I'm not in no way trying to over-spiritualize mental health the struggles either. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. But what I'm saying is we must be cautious lest we under-spiritualize and miss out on perhaps the largest component that has to deal with our mental health struggles. Just wanted to get that out of the way. So again, Jesus says, don't worry. Hey, church, don't worry. <laughs> but he doesn't just tell us to do it. He teaches us how to do it. 
And that's the awesome part. So helpful, right? So Jesus. So let's jump into the text now. We're going to, I split the text into five sections. Uh, we're going to have five main points, just so you know where we're uh, going to today. So verse 25, I'll read it again. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And the first point that we want to make is this. Worldliness leads to worry. Worldliness leads to worry. Let me explain myself. What we have to admit right away is that this passage that we're going through today, it actually follows immediately after the previous section and is very connected to it. And it's very connected to it because we have the word, therefore. Remember Lucas a few months ago, he touched on how important that therefore is. It's super, it connects to the previous uh, passage. So the logic of thought follows from a teaching on, on what? On materialism, essentially. Teaching from last week. Remember Flo's teaching from last week on treasures and, you know, not serving money, but serving God. If you haven't listened to it, please go and listen to it on our podcast. So having said that, Jesus has a specific kind of worry in mind. And we have to admit and acknowledge that. He's talking about something very specific. And if we spell it out, the worry that Jesus has in mind in this passage is worry relating to our physical existence. Worry relating to our physical existence existence. We're relating to what we might call the concerns of the world, the concerns of this life. We all have them. Christian and unchristian, we all have these concerns. Now, now Jesus addresses this in a parable in Matthew 13 uh, as well. And this is where he, he tells the parable of the sower and the seeds. It, it, look at how Jesus describes the thorns in this parable. And I think it'd be very helpful for us. So Matthew 13, 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So this is the same kind of worry that Jesus touches on in our passage in Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount, in our passage for today. He's talking about the concerns of this life, the concerns of, of, of the world. Now, I, I know I said I wasn't going to give you any stats, but let me just give you a couple really quickly. For 64% of Americans, money is a significant source of stress in their life. 64. That's two out of every three people in this room. You're stressed about money. Uh, you're stressed about paying your bills and so on and so forth. And the second stat that I want to share with you is that 52% of Americans experience massive negative financial impact due to the pandemic. Now, by the way, this statistic was, that came out in October of 2020. Do you think the numbers are better or worse? I think they're a lot worse. A lot worse. I mean, all the conversations that we hear today, maybe even all the conversations that we were having, you know, with our neighbors and family members are about the recession that is coming or that is here. Depends how you look at things. And the gas prices and all the prices going up, the inflation and the economy, not being able to keep up with the bills and the rent and all that, right? So money is a primary thing that we're struggling with and something that we are concerned about. Here's how we can say it in a different way. It's the point that we're making at this, at this, you know, on this verse. Worldliness leads to worry. 
worldliness leads to worry. Now, now when I say worldliness, because I got to explain myself, I'm not talking about a certain kind of people that live a life of luxury and opulence. They're neglecting the poor. And, and sure, this category could include people like that. Sure. People that are too materialistic, too con- consumeristic, right? The funny thing is that we think that the more we have, the less we're going to worry. <laughs> I would argue that it's the opposite. The more you have, the more you're going to worry about it. Because now you have to worry about, you know, about store, storing all of that, ensuring all of that, and upgrading all of that you have, right? You got to take care of the boat. You got to take care of the cabin up north. And there's a lot of money, and, right? And the reality is that this affects all people, all people of social, like different social classes, people that don't have enough because they're thinking, man, am I going to have enough money for rent? Am I going to have enough money for the next meal, right? And, and then people that are in the middle somewhere, they're thinking, man, climbing that ladder to have more, to get to the next level, right? And then they think, man, we're, I'm going to get more so I can worry less. But no, no, you're, you're gonna, they're going to have more and they're going to worry more. We're just caught in the middle of this never-ending cycle of worry. Because there's no perfect position to be in. There's no good position. And and, and again, by worldliness, this worldliness that that leads to worry, I mean the constant concern about this present age, about this present lifetime. And the point that Jesus is trying to make here is life is more than materialism, you guys. There's more to life. Life is so much more than the things that we have. That's His point here, isn't your life more than the food that you put in, he says? Isn't your body more than the clothes that you wear, that you have? And by the way, who gave you the life that you have? Who who created your body? Well, God did. So if he did that, why are you worried about these small things? And don't you think he's going to provide for what you need? Let me start my illustration and it's an illustration that's kind of going to go through the sermon. I'm not going to resolve it now, but I'm going to start it now that can help us with understanding this worldliness that we're talking about, that that we're concerned about. We're so concerned about. So I want to introduce you to this illustration called the problem of plates, the problem of plates. Now, there's a bunch of plates that we have in our life, and, and um, one, of the, one of the areas that we're so concerned about, um, well, I guess I'll just go through the way I stacked them here. Money, right? We're concerned about that, right? We kind of just talked about that, right? We have money, and then we have, well, this is a big one. We have family. I mean, we're concerned about this. Are the kids going to be okay? Are the kids going to make it to soccer practice? Whatever. There's so many concerns when it comes to this family. Am I going to make it? Is my marriage going to make it? All those concerns, right? And then we have relationships just in general. And you have some relationships that really just drain you. And like, oh, you're always thinking about that neighbor that always wants to talk. And you're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't feel like, you know, there's so many things that we're concerned about. And we're trying to just balance everything out in our life. There's health. Well, this is a big one. Health. Am I flossing enough? Am I brushing my teeth? Am I seeing the doctors? You know, the, all these things, they don't even have to be big issues. Like, oh, I got cancer. No, they can be just concerns. We're just thinking about it. Oh, this is a big one to us Americans. Fun entertainment hobbies. This is a big one for us. Like, what movie am I going to watch tonight? You know, is it Netflix or Amazon or seriously? <laughs> that stresses us sometimes in our hobbies because we got to keep up with them, right? And Anyways, I'll stop here. Oh, this is a bit, oh, church. 
there's concern about church, right? Which church am I going to attend, right? Do I love the church that I'm at now? And, and I don't like the pastor or I don't like the worship or whatever. You know, there's so many things, right? Oh, and there's work. There's a lot. The point is there's a lot here. If you think about the different areas of life as a plate, and if you've been to a busy restaurant, one of the most heartbreaking sounds is when the waiter is just like, you know, doing the balancing act, like, you know, just doing, you know, balancing all of these plates. You know, I mean, these are paper plates, so it's not a biggie, but they have like real plates, right? And the, one of the most heartbreaking sounds is when they drop the plates of food and you've been waiting for like an hour, like, oh, I got to wait another 45 minutes, you know, for my food, right? And we, they're just trying, and they usually do, they do a pretty good job, but we do the same thing with our life. And there's so many areas, so many plates that we try to balance out. And, and by the way, I think I, I've noticed a plate here. Oh, this is a funny one. Problem. This, this will just come whenever. Unexpected. Your car's going to break down. Your kid's going to be sick, get sick, right? But there's one that, for some reason, was right at the end. Ah, Jesus. Huh. I forgot about him. So we try to balance him. Like, you know, we're already, you know, like, uh, 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 and he's usually the first one to fall on the ground. Like, oh, sorry, Jesus, you know, kind of like that. But we do the same thing. And you know what the crazy thing is? We actually listen to podcasts and we read books on how to manage our time better so we can pick up more plates and, and do a better job at balancing this balancing act. How crazy is that? I'm like, What? We're so foolish. Why do we do that, right? Eventually, if your plan is to do better at this balancing act in life, balance as many plates as you can, you know, you will eventually drop them. And God is saying, I never designed your life. I never designed you to carry all these plates, to balance all these things. He's saying what you're doing is worldliness. And this leads to worry. No wonder you're gripped by fear. You're doing it the wrong way. As I said, I, I'm not going to resolve this illustration, but it's going to keep on going for the rest of the message. So worldliness leads to worry. Let's continue with our next chunk of verses and see what God is saying. So next two verses, verse 26 and 27. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, not, are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Here's the second main point that we are trying to make here. Do what you're responsible to do and pray about what only God can do. Now, I know that what you may be thinking, so just hang in there. I'm going to explain this, but let me just say it again. Do what you're responsible to do and pray about what only God can do. When Jesus says here, look at the birds of the air, he means really consider them. Watch them. Watch them do life. Really think. You may learn something from the birds. Do you know what we can learn from the birds? And he spells it out for us. Birds really don't gather food. They don't store food. You know, they don't go to the grocery store because that would be silly, right? And yet they're not concerned that they're going to fly around and that they're going to find a flower or a bug or something else that they can eat. They don't worry about that. They're not concerned because God feeds them. 
God feeds them. And Jesus is saying, when you think about how much God cares about the birds, do you think he cares more or less about you? By the way, we were made in his image. The only species in the entire universe that were made in his image and likeness. I think it's safe to say that he cares so much more about us. Now, now we have to be careful here. And I, and I got to kind of do this side note because a hummingbird, for example, doesn't wake up in the morning, lay on its back and just open its mouth and waits for nectar to just drip into it. It doesn't do that. A hummingbird is hard at work, flying around here and there and is wasting no time. So we have to be careful because Jesus doesn't say don't work. He says, don't worry. And we get this from birds too. They're hard at work, but they don't worry. And by the way, we shouldn't not worry because we work. We should not worry because first God is in control and God gives us everything that we need. For example, think about back in the Old Testament when God literally gave the people of Israel food from heaven, manna, right? Now, who woke up in the morning and went out to gather the manna? They did. So we have this balance that we need to be aware of. And again, do what you're responsible to do, what God has called you to do, and pray about what only God can do. I'm, I'm talking about, not that you shouldn't pray for all the other things that you can do yourself. That's not what I'm saying. Just, just read between the lines in a sense. I'm, I'm talking about being responsible with what God has called you to be responsible for. There are many plates, right, that, that we're super worried about, plates that, that we're trying to balance out, but God already gave us the capacity, the strength to do something about it. And he's saying, do something about it. This, is, this kind of worrying is just foolish, right? Because you can do something about it. How often, he says this, how often you, you, have you experienced this? The house is a mess, a mess. And you're so stressed about it. Netflix it is. Like, what do you think that's going to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Pro, I'm, I'm speaking to myself. Trust me, I'm not, you know, procrastination and laziness just add to our worrying. And I got to make this point. We got to make this point. And that's just foolish. Come on, don't, don't be saying you're worried sick and then stressed out. We just lazy sometimes. <laughs> that's what it is. But let me just give us some, a more of a serious example, okay? Maybe you had a conflict with someone and it's eating you up inside. And it's causing you so much stress. It's causing you so much. You can't sleep at night. And instead of dealing with it, you're distracting yourself and you're avoiding that person. In fact, there are moments when even our bodies are saying, dude, do something about it. I'm going to be sick, <laughs> right? And instead, we're just praying foolishly. God, please take the anxiety away. I don't know what to do with this bad relationship. God, please, please. And God is saying, be reconciled with that person and be the first person to be, be, be the first person to move towards that reconciliation. Because we already have that in the Bible. You do what you're responsible to do. If there's something that God is calling you to do, be like that hummingbird. You already know. You hear it every Sunday at church. Be reconciled. Be the first to forgive, right? Even though it doesn't, this hummingbird, even though it doesn't worry about the next meal where, where, where it's coming from, but you better believe that this hummingbird, hummingbird is out there working hard, showing that it has some skin in the game and that it wants to eat. End of side note. <laughs> but the reality is that there are other problems, Right? All sorts of other problems that are especially difficult for us to deal with. 
and, and you just have no control over them. They're out of your hands. And those are the things that are incredibly frustrating. And they keep us up at night because we really can't do anything about it. So what do we do in those situations? Well, pray and pray some more. And press into God's presence, press into communion with God in prayer about these situations. It would be so silly of me to preach a sermon on worry without referencing Philippians 4, 6, 7. So here we go, Philippians 4, 6, 7. Do not be anxious about anything, God says, but in everything. He says, but in everything, meaning everything you're worried about. And as often as you're worried about it. So, but in everything by prayer, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds, minds in Christ Jesus. I think the most encouraging and helpful thing that I can say today is if you're going through a tough situation, memorize these verses. Memorize these verses. Do you know why Paul says the peace that surpasses all understanding? It's, you might as well say the peace that makes no sense. For some of us, what we've done is we've prayed that God would solve all of our problems. And we should. We should. We should pray for everything that, that we go through, right? But the bigger reward, church, check this out. The bigger reward is when God's peace comes in and guards our hearts and guards our minds from being gripped with anxiety and fear and stress as we go through difficult situations. Because what God is saying is you need to want my peace more than just a change of circumstances. And, what's, and that's, when, that's when you experience real growth. That's when the Father is most glorified, when all you need is to know that He's with you more than a change of circumstance. Does that make sense? So it's this understanding, it's this trust, this acknowledgement that your peace comes primarily from God's parent, uh, presence, not the absence of your problems. And believe it or not, some of us are sabotaging ourselves from experiencing the peace of God because we've resolved in our hearts that I will not have peace until this problem is resolved. That's not what God wants from us. And what God is asking us to do is to trust, to trust in Him. And then we experience that peace that surpasses understanding. And that peace that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Think of it as setting up this defense mechanism, defense in your soul against the onslaughts of anxiety that fiercely come at us on a daily basis. That's what the peace of God does. So do what you're responsible to do and pray and pray and pray about what only God can do. And as we're responsible and as we're praying, we're not going to be able to do it perfectly, but as we pursue these things, we trust and we trust that God cares about us more than he cares about the birds and he will, he will provide for the birds and he will certainly provide for us. Do you trust in that? Let's continue with the next three verses, 28 to 30. You doing okay? Still with me? Awesome. And why are you anxious about clothing? 
Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, all you of little faith? And by the way, all you of little faith can be, a better translation would be, all you of little trust. All you of little trust. The point that we want to make here is simple, a powerful one. Keep an eternal perspective. Keep an eternal perspective. So wildflowers, let's talk about wildflowers. There's something about a beautiful field of wildflowers that is more extravagant than, than the most expensive bouquet at a wedding. God just does that. Have you experienced something like that? I've taken hiking for the last little while. And it's not that I go a lot, but I've been to Tennessee and just like, whoa, my eyes were, I always liked mountains and, and all of that, but man, wow. Something when you see a, a field of wildflowers, they're so beautiful. Now, the question is, who arranged those flowers? Who, 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 who bought those and put a ribbon around them? And, and, and I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the wildflowers. Who planted the seeds and, and made those flowers grow? Well, nobody did. Well, God, but, but like nobody, right? And yet there's this beauty that surpasses our attempts to replicate and recreate that kind of beauty. And the reality is, is that Jesus is comparing these flowers to clothing, to clothing. And it was, by the way, very difficult to create or to make clothing back in the day or to buy clothing, right? In the first century, especially collaring clothing, uh, dyes were very expensive and a few people could get their hands on. Literally, they had two sets of clothes, two sets of clothes. And, and if you do some research, clothing would, was even passed down from generation to generation. That was the, the greatest possession they had. Can you imagine that? It was a big deal. So when Jesus is saying that, that, that people were worried about this back in the day, you could easily understand why, right? What would make sense. But, but, but I mean, what happens? What happens when your clothing starts to rip? What happens if moth gets to it, right? And by the way, there's a reason why Jesus uses moth as an example. In the last week's passage in verse 19, Flo preached about it. The point that Jesus is making is how often are we worried, church, about something that doesn't actually last? How, how much? So, and here's the point that we're trying to make again. Keep an eternal perspective. We got to keep an eternal perspective. I mean, how much are we worried about things that just fade away? I want to challenge you about a situation that you may be in your life going, going through right now in this season. A situation that's causing you a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of concern. Maybe your family van is in the shop. Maybe you had an accident. Maybe, maybe you had a flood in the basement and like, oh my goodness, there's so much to deal on that front. Let me challenge you with a question. The thing that's causing you so much anxiety and stress today, will you still be thinking about it in 10 years from now? Probably not. So I challenge you to run your concern, your worry, through this simple question. Are you still going to think about it in 10 years from now? And I think this will help us to keep an eternal perspective. And if the answer is no, then, then man, then stop worrying about it. <laughs> Keep an eternal perspective, but, but maybe you're going through something difficult. And the answer is like, yes, I'll still be affected by it in 10 years. Maybe it's a life-threatening situation that you're going through. Maybe it's a diagnosis, some, some significant health problems, dealing with a loss that's still going to affect you in 10 years. If that's the case, ask yourself this other question. 
will I still be thinking about it in 10,000 years from now? I know, playing a game here to prove a point. (laughs) If your faith and my faith and trust is in Jesus, do you want to know where you will be, where we will be in 10,000 years from now, church? You will be in the throne room of God. (laughs) Let your imagination just fly for a second. You'll be worshiping him. You'll be experiencing everlasting joy that will only increase with every single day in heaven in the fullest sense that you can imagine and much more. And the answer is then probably not. (laughs) Probably not going to think about that thing. Listen, church, we need to know that the hope of heaven, the hope of Christ, the hope of eternity is the only thing that will allow you to face a life-threatening situation. Or, or one of the most heartbreaking situations in life. The hope of heaven, the hope of Christ is the only thing that can allow you to have the, the peace that surpasses all knowledge and understanding. Because you understand that this life has a deadline. It has an expiry date. But if you have a hope and peace that surpasses this uh, lifespan, you will have a peace that, can, that you can experience even now as you go through trials. And by the way, even Solomon, because he's mentioned here, and all of his glory and riches and wisdom, even Solomon died. Well, yeah. The point is, all of us will too, you know? But the reality is that we can experience that future hope in Christ and eternity as we go through life now and as we trust in God now. So keep an eternal perspective, church. Let's continue with the next verses, verses 31 to 33. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is where it really comes down to, church. Do we just want what secular wisdom has to offer? Tips and tricks? I mean, sure, they have their small place to play. Small, tiny place to play. (laughs) Or do we want to fully embrace, or do we want to fully get behind what Jesus is telling us to do and to trust in him? He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Here's the point that we want to make here. When you care about God's kingdom, when you care about God's kingdom, God cares about you. When you care about his kingdom, God cares about you. That's not to say that he doesn't care about other people. Let me explain. Jesus is contrasting the Gentiles here, which are people who don't have any kind of faith, who don't have a relationship with God, which are running around this world trying to provide for their needs. They're trying to just work towards that promotion and pay the bills and get the kids to soccer practice on time. And by the way, these are legitimate concerns to have. We have them too. But what's the difference? Well, here's the difference. But they're running around only only thinking about this lifetime and maximizing comfort and happiness and minimizing stress and problems, that's the end goal for them here. And that's the difference. That's the end goal. But what Jesus is telling us to do is seek his kingdom when? First. First. Not like the Gentiles. All they do is they're concerned about their plates and this is what they do. They just, the balance act, right? No, 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 no. God says, seek first the kingdom. The kingdom. First things first, Jesus says. God's kingdom. In other words, you got one job. (laughs) We got one job. That's it. The kingdom. 
Let me ask though, what's the last plate that we try to add to our balancing act? Jesus, I barely found it. Look, fell to the ground. (laughs) That's the last plate that we add to our balancing act. How sad. What's the last plate that we try to add to our already busy and hectic life? The Jesus plate. I'd apologize if I were sorry for what I'm about to say, but I'm not. The last plate that we add is Jesus, and that's sad. That's sad. And sometimes it doesn't even make it. How crazy. It's not even at par to everything else in our life, let alone seeking the kingdom of God first. Like, Lord, I'm so far away from where I should be. But that's a good thing. Because that draws us to the foot of the cross, doesn't it? But Christian, I got to say this, Ovi or whomever, but Christian, do you know why you're so gripped by stress and anxiety? Because God's kingdom is not first in your life. That's why. First things first, Jesus says, seek me first, seek my kingdom first, and I will take care of everything else for you. Not going to be perfect. You're still going to have problems, but it makes a lifetime of a difference if you seek the kingdom first. And the reality is that people who are running around in life and they're concerned only for here and now and kind of like the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, right? They're not concerned at all about about the things that matter. So let me ask the gut-wrenching question, where are they going to be in 10,000 years from now? Yeah. Do they have an eternal kind of hope? I'm here to tell you today, today, if you don't have that hope in Jesus Christ, you can receive a lot more than just some tips and tricks for managing anxiety and dealing with stress. Today, you can receive a kind of comfort, a kind of peace that assures you, I will be with God in eternity. And I know that for sure, for a fact. Today, you can have that kind of peace that you will live forever in the new heavens and the new earth And you can experience that because not only is Jesus telling us not to worry, but do you know how he validated that? Do you know how he provided this hope? He himself went to the cross. He died for our sins. He faced the wrath of God. And I mean, that's something that should be worrying to everyone, to all the people that don't know him. If you don't have the hope in Christ in the gospel, you should be worried because everyone will stand before him as the righteous judge one day. That should be concerning to all people that don't know him. But the the good news is that Jesus faced the wrath for all of us. He was crushed by it and Jesus took the penalty for our sin and died on that cross and then he rose in victory so that we might be raised up to newness of life, to a new life in him. And today could be that day that you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm not trying to scare anyone or manipulate anyone, but you need to know the truth. Jesus Christ is the only one who overcame the world. The only one who can help you overcome the world and your plates and your concerns and your problems and the reality is that you know we'll always experience some degree of concern and heartache for this life in this life but but we have this everlasting eternal kind of peace and hope and i'm telling you that that makes all the difference in the world back to the plates we need to solve this plate problem What's the solution to the problem of plates? I mean, 
There's a lot of them, right? Money and church and it's like even looking at them like, oh, I don't I didn't even want to pick them up. It's like, ah, oh, <laughs> they stress me already, right? Here's what Jesus is saying. Here, I found it. What does this say? We can read my writing, okay, Jesus. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. The solution is not getting better at the balancing act. Oh, we're going to fail miserably every time. Ready for this? The solution to the problem of plates is stacking, stacking. And we start with Christ as the foundation, as the cornerstone. And it's not a thousand things. It's one thing. Love him and live out of that one thing. And love your family out of that one thing. Do work out of that one thing. Do relationships out of this foundation of Christ in you, the hope of glory. The solution is not a million plates that you're trying to just balance out. One. And stack everything, every other plate on this foundation of Christ. (laughs) I'm not even going to put money first, but... So this is, we got to get this. Unless we get this, nothing will work. Nothing will work. You'll be gripped by fear. No technique will get you to, to that peace. Only Christ. Only Christ. So then, what's next on this? That I, this is how I would do it. I would build, this is the next plate that I would put on top. Oops. They already fell. I didn't even try the balancing act. <laughs> I would do family right on this. Look how nicely it stacks like that. Do family out of Christ. I don't know what next one would be. Health, sure, okay. Health, do that right here in Christ. Relationships, there we go, wow. Relationships, live relation out of Christ, church. Yes, huge, important. Out of Christ and they all stack up so nicely. Look at this. You don't have a million, you have one plate. First things first, we're going to put Jesus right there as the foundation and the cornerstone. So, and this is the point that we're trying to make. Prioritize God's kingdom. Prioritize God's kingdom. Prioritize God's kingdom. You put Jesus first, man, and the rest of the things, what does the verse say? Are just going to add up. They're going to be added to you. Do you know what that means? Does that mean that God's going to answer every prayer request the way we want it to, for him to answer? He's gonna, we're going to get healed all the time. And oh, he heals us so many times. Praise God for that. He's a loving God. But this is not a blanket statement promise saying that he's going to do exactly how we, we you know, we, we pray. No, no. When Jesus says that everything else will be added to you, what he's saying is the rest of your life will follow. That's what we get in the original. It will follow. It follows the kingdom of God, that foundation. It follows the cornerstone because you got to set that first. And by the way, even the problems, they're in here somewhere, that problem. Even the problems will follow. Even the problems will follow, will fall into place 
as you seek first the kingdom of heaven and his right. And when, when it comes to putting God's kingdom first, and since we mentioned problems, those difficult situations in life that we're dealing with, you know, church, we've got to be most consistent in our prayers, and we've got to be most consistent in the word, and worshiping with other believers, and listening to the encouraging sounds of the saints, singing and praising God. That's part of what it means to seek first the kingdom of God. Don't worry about the hobby. To put it right next to, you know, the foundation. Oh, I got to get that in there. No, no, don't worry about that. How about we do less of this and more of coming to church, more of reading the word. We would be so much better off. But first things first, Jesus as the foundation. So, so the second thing is this. So first, prioritize God's kingdom and then simplify your life. Simplify your life. This is such a practical and awesome, awesome thing. Man, I don't know. We, you may have to delete that app. You may have to get off social media because it's, it's just, you know, you're worried and stretched so much. Just get off of it. Just get off of it for a few months and see how it is. Maybe some relationships that you have in your life that just, man, you don't need to be friends with every single person in the world. God's not asking us to do so. Lose some friends. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> right? Do that. Because some relationships are just, just, they're just drains, not gains. Just, just don't worry about it. Simplify your life. Simplify your life. I feel like Jesus is saying, what's with the extra plates? <laughs> I've, never, I've never asked you to, to, to pick up all these extra plates. Just set them aside. You will be just fine. Just worry, worry, quote unquote, about my kingdom first. One more verse, and we're done. Verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And the last point that we're making is this, depend on God each and every day. Depend on God each and every day. So Jesus doesn't just give us this overly optimistic, do you notice that? This Joel Austin sort of a, and, you know, just live your best life now, and just, it's going to be amazing. No, it's not. He says, you're probably going to have some problems tomorrow. Your kid is probably going to get really sick. He's going to be in the hospital. Mic drop. Boom. He leaves. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't give this pie in the sky over the optimistic, the shallow, superficial solution. No, no, no. He doesn't. But here's the thing. You've got today's problems, right? Today's problems. And then we've got tomorrow's problems. This is, this is the stack for tomorrow's problems. Do you know why they're like 10 times bigger than the today's problems? Because in our mind, they always are 10 times bigger than today, right? Now imagine trying to juggle this and balance this out and then picking all these up. I don't even want to open this. <laughs> just the opening of these plates will just cause anxiety and stress, forget it. But at least that's, what, that's what's in our mind. Proverbs 27.1 says this, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. <laughs> Again, it's not this hallmark greeting card. Tomorrow is going to be wonderful in rainbows and dancing and roses. No, Jesus' point is, is do not worry about tomorrow because it may have hardship. And if you do, it'll crush you because you don't have tomorrow's resources and grace to get through it. You don't. That's tomorrow. <laughs> There's this misunderstanding, misunderstood Bible verse, uh, rather, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 
where people take this principle, which I think is a misinterpretation, good exegesis matter, matters, church. And they say, God will never give you more than you can handle. Have you heard that before? Not really biblical. Like, yeah, right. Have you lived a day on planet Earth? <laughs> Jesus says, this is what he says. He will never allow you to be tempted more than you could overcome. That's what he says. And how do we overcome temptation? Well, we depend on him. He's the one that overcame. He's the only one that, that can overcome. And in him, we overcome also. And I think God consistently allows more into our lives, more than we can handle, so that we can seek first his kingdom, so that Jesus Christ would be the cornerstone, so that we would depend on him. So church, this is the point. Depend on God each and every day. And sure, there's a tension here, right? Because you want to keep an eternal perspective, but you, you, we have to live in a, in a responsible way in the present every single day. God gave us breath in our lungs today. And if we're honest, how many of our problems would be eliminated if you just stopped worrying about the imaginary hypothetical futures? I mean, if we're honest, my goodness, it's just so much, right? The thing about these imaginary hypothetical kinds of futures, what God is asking us to do is we got to just one thing in mind, depend on him each day. And, 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 and if you're alive and breathing today, he is faithful to give you the grace that you need for today. And you're going to have ample grace for today. Don't waste tomorrow's grace on today's problems and concerns. Don't do that. And I'm ending here. Lamentations 3.22 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Have you heard that before? Not sure if you ever read the book of Lamentations, but there's a book called Lamentations. <laughs> it's written by Jeremiah, whose nickname is the weeping prophet. And we get that verse out of the weeping prophet's mouth. A man who was well acquainted with trouble and sorrow. This man saw Jerusalem being torn down at the beginning of the Babylonian exile, which will go down in history as the darkest moment for the people of Israel. And he says that in the middle of it. And in chapter three, we have like this, these songs that you would sing at a funeral, you know? Just dark and sad and heartbreaking. And I know that 2023 here in America is not a walk in the park either. I get it. But what we have here is in lamentation, this true grief. <laughs> this makes any other difficult situations look like a party. And in the midst of that, he's saying this, the steadfast love of the Lord is new every single day. His mercies are new every single morning. And church, here it is. We need to remind ourselves daily and be encouraged daily that this is the foundation that we experience all these troubles and difficulties and concerns. The foundation of his goodness and love that his steadfast love renews for us every single day. And on this foundation, Jesus tells us, yeah, you'll have trouble today. Yeah, you'll have trouble tomorrow. But God's mercies and grace are more than sufficient for us to overcome these troubles every single day. So Christian, trust in Jesus. We got one job, one job. And although sorrow lasts through the night, his joy comes in the morning. Would you stand with me? Thanks for tuning in to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. We hope this teaching has encouraged you 
and helps you live for more.